Hey friends, this is Pastor Elizabeth, and you're listening to the Faith Church Podcast. You're about to hear the last sermon in our series on practicing gratitude, in which we're exploring the ways we're called to live lives of gratitude beyond the holiday of Thanksgiving. The focus of this sermon is a parable from Luke chapter 18 that shows us just how big God's grace is. And I preached it on Sunday, November 21st, 2021. I hope that while you're listening, you might hear something that draws you closer to the heart of God. Here we go. Now, most of us have some kind of Thanksgiving traditions, whether or not they are, quote, traditional. Our extended family usually gets together the weekend before Thanksgiving for the traditional meal with turkey and all the sides. And it's a great chance to see everyone who lives close by, but who are so busy that we hardly ever see each other's faces. Then our nuclear family usually spends Thanksgiving Day uh, running or walking the Isquat turkey trot. And then we often eat dumplings for lunch and take off for Vancouver for a more tempered version of the Thanksgiving and Good Friday weekend. But we have had to adjust our plans this year with COVID restrictions at the border. And maybe your tradition is to play a game of touch football in the yard after dinner, or perhaps you are the one who always makes the cranberry sauce. Perhaps you invite neighbors to join you, or maybe your gathering is intimate and cozy. Maybe you hate turkey and stuffing and make a mean lasagna or go out for tacos instead. But no matter your tradition, hopefully there is a moment at least in which you stop to give thanks, to go inside yourself and think, for what am I most thankful today or all days? Many of us will name the people around the table or the good meal that we're eating, or the beautiful place in which we live, and our hearts will be warmed, and we'll feel content and satisfied, even in the midst of global crisis, and that is miracle in and of itself. And we might even feel righteous while we do this. After all, even if Thanksgiving isn't technically a Christian holiday, the act of being thankful is certainly something that Christians do. Our prayers almost always begin with gratitude as a way of acknowledging that everything we have and are is because of God's abundant love and mercy. Gratitude helps us to humble ourselves, to name all the ways we are reliant on God and others, to open our hearts to the world in a way that connects and serves and loves. But we want to be careful that we're not just naming something to be thankful for during the meal and then going on with our lives as if we've done our duty and now we can check thankful off the list for the year. If we want to give thanks as Christians, we also have to take inventory of our hearts to make sure they really are open and grateful and not just going through the motions while holding the rest of the world in contempt. 
Or perhaps we would do well to give thanks, not just as those who are righteous and blessed over against others, thinking, there but for the grace of God go I, but to give thanks alongside others, even those we don't really like. I think these are some of the lessons of today's parable from Luke's gospel, in which the Pharisee thanks God that he is not like other people, and the tax collector beats his breast and simply prays, Lord, have mercy. And these lessons may be especially poignant as we carve our turkeys or eat our tacos later this week. But before we can dive into the heart of this story told by Jesus, it's important to address the stereotypes that exist here. Christians have long thought of the word Pharisee as a synonym for hypocrite. And indeed, young children sing Sunday school songs about not wanting to be Pharisees. The author of Luke's gospel encourages such a view by painting Pharisees as self-righteous, uptight, sometimes combative, and often missing the point of what Jesus is trying to teach. But his first century audience would not see the story's Pharisee that way at all. They knew Pharisees to be seriously religious, but not legalists trying to earn God's favor. Yes, Pharisees emphasized obedience to the law, but only as a response to the covenant relationship God offered them, not because they thought it would earn them a place in heaven. On the other hand, Luke has a tendency to characterize tax collectors as unexpected heroes. And while the first century audience would have been well acquainted with tax collectors as agents of the state, those who collaborated with their oppressors and cheated them out of the money they needed to live, somehow we find ourselves cheering for the tax collectors in these stories, as those underdogs who have an unlikely conversion and come to believe in Jesus, turning their lives around. They are those we least expect to jump in and believe. And as a result, Sunday school children have also been singing for ages about, say, Zacchaeus, the wee little man. But both of these men are caricatures in today's story. They're not typical members of either group. And they are not meant to provide a dualism between faith and works, between Jews and Gentiles, between the prodigal and the publican. Despite our desires to make it so obvious, the message of the peril is not that it's better to be a repentant tax collector than a sanctimonious Pharisee, a message that can quickly spiral downward into a belief that it's better to be a Christian saved by grace than a Jew who despises others and teaches salvation by works. These misunderstandings and stereotypes quickly lead both to a shallow reading of the gospel and to rabid anti-Semitism. But then, what is the story really about? And what does it teach us about Thanksgiving? 
On the surface, it seems to say, don't be thankful only that you are better than other people. Humble yourself, and God will justify you. And the problem with this reading is that, like our story from Matthew's gospel a few weeks ago, it's a trap. As soon as we judge the Pharisee to be a self-righteous hypocrite and assume that we are better than him at being thankful, we are essentially praying, Lord, we thank you that we are better than other people. Not like those hypocrites, the overly pious, the self-righteous, or the Pharisees. And then we find ourselves blindly in the place we were just thanking God we are not. That doesn't work very well, at least not if we are honest. Perhaps then we focus on the first verse of the reading in which we learn to whom this parable is addressed. Namely, some who trusted in themselves, and as the NRSV says, they that were righteous and regarded others with contempt. And with our stereotypes in mind, it's easy to imagine this whole parable being told to a group of Pharisees. But in the context of Luke 18, it's most likely being shared with a group of disciples, just people who are trying to learn what it means to follow Jesus, in which case it's addressed to all of us. It's also interesting that the only other place in Luke's gospel that uses this word contempt is when Herod and his soldiers treat Jesus with contempt in Luke 23 during the Passion story. So we can gather that for Luke to be regarded with contempt is to stand with Jesus. So perhaps that is the group we want to be in. Then we think the Pharisee in this story regards the tax collector with contempt, does he not? And doesn't that in some way negate his prayer of gratitude? But then we're right back where we were. Oh Lord, let me be different than the Pharisee. Back in the trap, being the Pharisee while thanking God that we're not. Or, on the other hand, perhaps we think the Pharisee is right to regard the tax collector with contempt, because maybe we identify more as sinners than saints, and wonder if we could ever pray anything more than, Lord, have mercy. Perhaps we believe we are somehow stained beyond the scope of redemption, and think that contempt is appropriate here and even that others who are more righteous than us could rightly look on us with contempt. But that would ignore the fact that the text says the tax collector goes home justified. And that line alone would have brought a gasp from the gospel's early audience. I mean, the story says doesn't even say that the tax collector changed the way he lived. He doesn't make any promises about doing things differently. He only prays, Lord, have mercy. And then Jesus says he's justified. And that feels a little extreme. But what's interesting is that in the text, it doesn't actually say that the Pharisee 
is not justified. Because the words that are translated there, that might mean as opposed to the tax collector, can also mean alongside the tax collector. Nowhere in the text does it say that anything the Pharisee prays isn't true. He is holy. He is righteous. He is going above and beyond of what is required of him out of a sense of duty and loyalty to God. There's nothing here to suggest that his prayer is not an honest and heartfelt prayer of thanksgiving. Thanksgiving that God has brought him into relationship and given him the means to serve so faithfully. There's no reason for us to think that he isn't also justified. So maybe the purpose of the parable is to show how these two men are actually alike. Because they're both covered by the immeasurable breadth of God's mercy. One has given his life to the discipline of the law, and the other has literally aided the oppressors of the people of God. And yet, God welcomes both into the kingdom. Neither is actually superior to the other. There are no ins and outs here. There's not an obvious role model and one to avoid. So perhaps the scandal of the story is not that the righteous man is wrong and the sinner becomes a saint. Maybe the scandal is that God's love is broad enough for both of them. And this makes me think that this little parable, like so many others Jesus told, contains more than meets the eye. It looks straightforward and clear on a first reading, but there's more to it than what's on the surface. And I wonder if this isn't meant to be more of a meta story, one in which we're not called to identify with one character or the other, because there's no clear protagonist or antagonist here. There's not an obvious hero or villain. So maybe this is one of those stories that asks us to take a step back from it and think about how we're responding to it and what that says about who we are and what we believe. What are our feelings when we read the Pharisee's prayer? Do we immediately view him with contempt because he seems so self-righteous? Or are we actually envious? Because this is not a prayer many of us could pray with honesty. Do we look at the justified tax collector and feel like life is unfair because he doesn't deserve the grace he's given? Are we angry at Jesus for saying he's justified? Perhaps this is a story that helps us see where we have built our own boxes, not only for God, but for other people, where we have decided what righteousness and sinfulness look like and are regularly categorizing people one way or the other, even without really knowing them. Perhaps it's a story that helps us to see where we are praying, God, thank you that I am not like these other people, even if those other people actually have something important 
to teach us. The Pharisee in this story prayed an honest prayer of thanksgiving, and he was a righteous man. But still, his understanding of the scope of God's grace was too small. It took a tax collector, one who had earned nothing of God's love, to begin to see God God for who God truly is. My prayer for all of us this Thanksgiving is that that God would meet us at the table, open the doors and tear down the walls of the boxes we've built in our hearts and our minds, boxes that keep some in and others out, that categorize people as worthy and unworthy of love. And then in doing so, we might begin to understand the breadth and depth of God's grace, which is beyond our imagining, and give thanks all the more. Amen. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Faith Church Podcast. If what you heard was meaningful to you, please share this with a friend. If you have any questions, or if we can support you on your spiritual journey in some way, don't hesitate to reach out through our website at www.faithunited.org. Tune in next week for the first sermon in our Advent series, Close to Home, and we'll all prepare our hearts for Christmas together. Until then, take care.